2: And good morning, I'm your sous chef, Frankie Proctor, and uh, do you know, that little opening theme, there is one listener that Charlie knows, who ca- the, the woman's voice just drives her nuts, when she hits those high notes, she, she turns down the radio just until that's over, then it's back Counts up again. Counts to
3: ten and then turns it back yeah. up. And... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it is
2: an odd little opening, it isn't it? It is not it huh?
3: it's quite... You're catching.
2: Well, anyway, it's The Garden Show. There's our producer, Dave Gaskin. Good
3: morning, Dave. Who is
2: uh, looking pretty... uh,
3: Chipper. Chipper, yes. It's chipper day, considering this is the first rainy weekend of the entire season. You said that to me, and I... Mike. God, you're right. We haven't had a yeah. rainy weekend at all. Yeah. Uh, not entire weekend. I guess we've had a few Sundays where it rained, but this is, yeah, unfortunately, is the, yeah. good for the gardens, feels, good
2: for the farmers. feel sorry for Alan Gelman, who's coming up on the car show next. Uh, he's uh, he's booked a couple of days away up in Aww. some lodge or whatever uh, in the Korthas, and uh, what's the forecast? Oh, rain. Oh, geez. Well,
3: so you <laughs> snuggle up by the fire and enjoy.
2: Oh, you don't I have think he's to
3: going go with water brother. skiing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, well, Oh
2: yeah. Oh, he's, he's telling me, yes, little Jack Daniels will not hurt. <laughs>
3: yeah, exactly, that's who he's traveling with. <laughs> all right, uh, the numbers, my darling.
2: All right, my sweet. Here they are. If you live in Toronto, here are the numbers for the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. 416-360-0740. Then anywhere else in the province, toll free, 1-866-740-740. Four 7, 40. and the mantra goes: This away, uh, call early, call often. One question per call.
3: Yep, and heads okay. up on. Patrolman Brock I'm here with my ticket book. Uh, you are. All right, a couple things to update you on. Remember last week, we had a call from, uh, I'm just going to look back and see who the call was from, uh, Phyllis in Brampton about her impatience that had collapsed. I remember that. And she was quite concerned, what to do, what to do. All right, and I was trying to remember, was it a bacteria, was it a virus? It's a virus. It's, uh, it, the short form is I-N-S-V, mm-hmm. which stands for Impatience Necrotic Spot Virus. Necrotic—that
2: means dead stuff. Yeah,
3: necrosis. It's where it starts little spots, and Mm -hmm. then they all collapse. The plants collapse, basically. That's what the virus does. So, of course, the symptoms of INSV include—and just to let you know, impatience necrotic spot virus is not specific to only impatience. It actually gets on a lot of so-called greenhouse plants, and that's where typically the the infection takes place. What can you do about it? Not a lot. Uh, There is no no cure uh, if you suspect that, and if if you're in the greenhouse business and you are producing, so you're buying little cuttings, you're growing them on to make them bigger plants, to then sell them to consumers. One of the biggest things is inspecting and, of course, making, you know, getting virus-free, you know, special certification, but still never trusting that, inspecting, inspecting to make sure that you're not bringing this virus into the greenhouse where it will devastate everything. So the symptoms include black ring spots, distortion, wilt, and plant collapse. Uh, An infected plant remains systemically infected for its entire life. So once a plant gets this virus, it's... It's there. The virus is spread among plants by an insect called a thrip and by vegetatively propagated plant material. So that, of course, you take a cutting from uh, an infected plant, you then have two plants with the infection. And the um, virus might not kill all the plants, right? Some plants can withstand the virus. Bottom line, to avoid spreading this uh, particular virus to other plants, you remove all infected plants and weeds. You... Sticky traps to monitor for thrip populations. And again, this would be in a greenhouse situation. Mm-hmm. Eradicate thrips, of course, by using whatever insecticides such as uh, soap and pyrethrum as you can. Um, one of Phil's questions was, what about my soil? Is my soil now infected? As far as I know, no. The virus is specific to an insect and to plants. It should not be in the soil. However, make sure that you have removed every little shred of those plants and right. remove them from the property. And just to be on the safe side, I personally probably would try and avoid planting inpatients for at least a year, yeah. you know,
2: at least one season. You have to be tenacious about it. I mean, getting every every little bit out. Bit of, mm-hmm. of tissue.
3: Yep, got to go. Otherwise... It's back again. It's yeah. right. Okay. okay, so a couple of uh, upcoming announcements. Tomorrow, I did Oh, did I mention this last week? Yes, I did. The the Toronto Japanese Garden Club is having its 34th Mm. annual Nature's Beauty Show. Now, wonderful thing to do on a rainy day. Uh, It's at the Momiji Senior Center, which is 3555 Kingston Road in Scarborough. I know you mentioned
2: it because I'm looking at Dave Gaskin and he whispered in my ear, Mr. Miyagi. Exactly. Karate Kid. Yeah, he (laughs) did that little gardening stuff.
3: Bonsai, exactly. That little gardening stuff. <laughs> <clears throat> That's why we call you the undergarthener oh, Thank you very much All right, Plants will be for sale, there is a tea room It's going to be a lovely place to be, like I say, tomorrow afternoon Admission is $5 Next Saturday, now this is a very fun thing to do, it's an outdoor activity So again, it's going to be a bit weather dependent um, Landscape Ontario and you remember Landscape Ontario. Mm-hmm. That's where Dennis Flanagan, where he works and he yep. is the he's my my um Sioux <laughs> chef, if you will, my Sioux <laughs> sous- host. He steps in when I'm not here. Uh, um, Landscape Ontario is out in Milton, and they are having—they're hosting the Trial Gardens Open House uh-huh. from 10 a.m. till 3 p.m. next Saturday. This is brought to you by Landscape Ontario, the University of Guelph, and the Ontario Parks Association. Uh, it's a very fun thing to do. There's over 800 rose bushes uh, being grown mm-hmm. with tags, so they're being trialed, if you will. Yep. You can go out. It's—it's um, it's almost like going to a botanical garden because you can go out and you can see the plants and see the tags, write down plant names that you like, things that grab you that you would like for the future. Yeah. But what they're truly trialing are annual flowers. And these are ones that aren't even for sale yet in the stores. These will not be available. Some of them will never be available, but the best will be available next year. Oh. So uh, there's over 300 different bedding plants, annuals and perennials. There's also a trial to evaluate vegetables for small urban spaces. So you, as a consumer, can go out and see these plants that are being trialed or tested, and you get to vote. You're given one flag and everybody's allowed to place a flag beside their favourite plant. And that has impact on next year's crop as well. Now these trials take place all over North America. This is just one of the trial gardens at Landscape Ontario. The location is 7865 Fifth Line South. So that's just... Just west of Trafalgar Road, just south of Steeles in Milton. Okay. So for more information, just go to landscapeontario.com.
2: Sounds like a kind of a fun thing to do, you
3: know? It is fun. And if you're all horticulturally oriented, yeah. it's educational, it's beautiful, it's fun, mm-hmm. and it makes you feel like you're cutting edge, like you just sort of get the inside <laughs> well, scoop. you're involved. Yeah. And
2: you've made a decision. That's it right. Helped. And you're
3: part of. Exactly. Yeah. You're yeah. part of making a decision.
2: Uh, I have to make a decision here, an executive decision. And that would uh, be... Do you want to press on or do uh, we... Go eat? ahead.
3: You go ahead. I have one more. uh, I'll go ahead then. Okay, very quickly. Toronto Botanical Gardens, every Thursday they have music in the garden and uh, they have the organic... um, Uh, What do you call it? Uh, Farmers market. Thank you. Every Thursday. What's special this Thursday? Is it this Thursday? It is this Thursday from 530 to nine. They're going to be doing their their Chinese special uh, Chinese event. What it is, is they have a vegetable garden every year Mm. in the vegetable garden. They choose a country and then they plant vegetables from that country. Then once a year in August, they harvest all those vegetables, cook up a big meal, and everybody sits around enjoying all these homegrown organic vegetables. From f- around the world. From yeah. around the world. In this case, the China was the country yeah. that was picked. So, of course, it's bok choy, Chinese broccoli, <clears throat> beans, peppers, coriander, garlic, all kinds of stuff. So wonderful, wonderful uh, meal is going, sumptuous Chinese meal is going to be served. Uh, plus there's going to be you know, the opportunity to listen to uh, so, uh, sorry, Chinese folk dancers and renowned, renowned musician George Gao. Very cool, very fun. Register at toronto garden dot ca for this coming Thursday night, five thirty to nine. Food, music, shopping at the. Organic uh, farmers market, the whole thing.
2: Thank you, Charlie. A whole <laughs> list of raft of uh, information there, and we're going to be along in uh, very few moments to uh, speak to Elizabeth calling in from Oshawa. First, these words on the Garden Show from AM 740.
1: Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740.
2: And Frank Proctor here uh, reminding you that you are listening to Charlie Dobbin, the only person in the world to win a gold medal in potato throwing at a backyard event. And uh, I think uh, that well worth mentioning with the Olympics on and
3: everything. Yeah, know. I've got my Olympic jacket on and everything.
2: Yeah, oh, I know, <laughs> I know. Well, let's get out of the line there to Oshawa and say hi to Elizabeth. Hey, good morning.
3: Morning, Elizabeth. Good morning, Charlie.
4: I Shall I tell you my problem? Sure. I have a problem. I have uh, We have a hibiscus, about two years old maybe. I carried them over from the winter. They're very tall, but one of the plants, it's loaded with buds, but one of the plants has holes in the leaves. What do I do about it? What is it?
3: Okay, and these are outside for the summer, outside? obviously.
4: Well, these are outside all winter. I just uh, protected them, and they wintered through very carefully.
3: Mm, I'm just trying to figure out what kind of hibiscus these are. Are these the what we consider a perennial hibiscus? They yes. grow in our garden, of course, and then they come up in the spring. or late in the spring actually they come up? Yes. Uh, okay. The so bunch of holes, like like shotgun kind of holes in the leaves. Like somebody it's, shot it's a shotgun. Kind of
5: round holes,
3: right on the edges. No, of, sort of in the middle. In the middle. Okay.
4: Ooh. Yeah. So I mean, just on one plant. The other plant right beside it is fine. as I say, it has just loads of buds, but. Mm these holes appeared.
3: Hmm. Now, I don't think of those hibiscus as having susceptibility to a fungus. Sometimes when we get holes in the center of the leaves, it's because the leaf material has actually become necrotic <laughs> goes back to what we were saying before, not necessarily from a virus, but usually it's from a fungus. And then the the tissue just drops away. So you end up with all these little holes in the centers of center of the leaves rather than from the edges. Most insects chew in from the edge. So when we lose leaf material because of insects, that's usually what it's where they come from uh, in terms of direction. I would look very closely, study the plants. Are the leaves do they look nice and green Does, yes. other than where these yes, they holes look very have appeared?
4: Well,
3: green color, except for these little round holes. And no evidence of any insects on the plants? I don't see any. Hmm. You know what? I wouldn't be overly concerned, because remember, when we grow a plant like the hibiscus, we're growing it for its amazing flowers. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are huge flowers, and they're often huge plants as well. As long as the leaves are green, it's it's unsightly, of course, to have holes in the leaves, but it doesn't mean that the plant isn't thriving and photosynthesizing and doing what it's supposed to do. So I wouldn't, like I said, be overly concerned. I would keep a close eye daily, check the plants, top of the leaves, bottom of the leaves, stems, you know, keep a sharp eye. In the meantime, I'll look up and see if there's anything kind of specific that might have gotten a hold of the plant, but I would, like I say, I wouldn't be overly concerned. As long as they're blooming and budding and looking fine otherwise, just continue with your good care, no fertilizer anymore for the rest of the season, of course, and then do your usual winter protection, mulching, et cetera, once, of course, frost has dropped them to the ground.
4: Thank you very much. Okay. I just wish that your show could be two hours.
3: A <laughs> thank you. But thank you for your good advice. Oh, my pleasure. And I think Frank and I would love it if it was two hours sure. as well. We, we do have fun doing this show.
2: Absolutely, we do. <laughs> Elizabeth, thank you very much for that call. Uh, let's go to Virginia in Grimsby. Hello, Virginia.
3: Hello. Good morning. Charlie? I'm here.
6: I have a big problem. Mm-hmm. I had a great big cactus, and uh, it bloomed beautifully. Now I took pieces off it, and I had another one grow, and it didn't bloom. Mm. So, what could do I do? What is the cause of it? Now this is a a big cactus that falls down, and it has great big red flowers, and I don't know the name of it. Is it a prickly cactus? Um,
3: not really. So no. might might it be one of the ones like a Christmas cactus or an Easter cactus? No,
6: it isn't a Christmas cactus and it isn't an Easter cactus. But the, um, this is long stems, uh-huh. and they're not really prickly, but they have like um, I guess you could, could call little knobs all the way up, and the the flowers come out on those.
3: Huh. You've got me, you me stifled. Okay, I'll tell you what conditions help make cactuses bloom. Number one, being very careful to not overwater them. Make sure that they are dry out completely between waterings. Number two, lots and lots of sun, whether it's inside your house or outside your house, you know, out in the summer. I had
6: it in the house on the north side, and then uh, it's out outside on the, the, uh, the south side.
3: Okay, so you might want to reverse that. When it's outside, have it on the north side. When it's inside, have it on the south side. Because, remember, inside through the glass, there's a lot less sun actually getting through. And the south is much brighter than the north. And cactuses love sun. They'll take as much sun as possible. Yes. And I do find that many, just generally speaking, the succulents, the cacti, they will tend to set flowers when they receive some cool temperatures. It's often cool temperatures in the at night because in the deserts, that's exactly how it works, right? No matter where you are in the world, deserts get very cool at night and very hot during the day. Yeah. Uh, and so if we can mimic those conditions, we'll often find that our plants that we are attempting to, you know, sort of enjoy the beauty of, will do the best that they can if we can mimic the, the natural conditions they come from. So if there's any way you can have it right up to a window, you know what I mean? In the, in the winter when it's so cold, it, it often these plants will, not touching the window, but right in a nice cool spot like that can make a real difference as well when it comes to setting flower, flower buds.
6: If, I don't get much sun uh, in, on, the we- on the
3: north side. No, nobody very, does. very little. Do you have any windows facing south? Pardon? Do you have windows facing south? No, I'm in an apartment. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah. that's the trick. And
6: I have no south window. Uh, a neighbor a, of mine has it on her
3: balcony what about for a, me. What about a grow lamp? <laughs> that's a good idea. Frank's suggesting perhaps some inside in the winter use a grow light. Uh, you know, just go to the store, get out of... It's just a very simple, it can be a simple light bulb that sits and in, in, goes into a regular little desk lamp that is an actual light bulb mimicking the sun, just to increase your, your light level on it. You may find that will make a difference inside oh. in the winter.
6: I, I thought perhaps it was a male plant and it just didn't want to...
3: <laughs> no, probably not, particularly if you took... Cactus don't usually come, males and females. But um, uh, the other thing is if you took it off a plant that did flower, sometimes it's a maturity thing. Thing. The plant has to get to a certain age before it'll flower. But if you can send me a photo, I'd be able to identify the plant better and give you more specific information. What
6: is the address?
3: Uh, you want the mailing address or the email address? Mailing. Okay. Tell you what. You I'll give you. You get a pen and pencil, and I'll announce the mailing address in about one minute.
2: Great. Okay, thanks. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank Thank you for your call, uh, Virginia. Now, uh, at 924, we have to take a little bit of a break here and then come back and uh, hopefully have a quick chat here with uh, Diane, I believe it is. Uh, No, Margaret. Margaret in Cambridge. Uh, Okay. We'll be along with that in just a moment here in Charlie Dobbins' Garden Show.
1: Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740.
2: And Virginia, I hope you have that uh, piece of paper and uh, pencil handy to jot down the address that Charlie will give you now for the station.
1: And anybody wants to send me
3: mail, I love getting mail. So it's 550, so 550, Queen Street East, Suite 205, Trana, Ontario, <laughs> <laughs> M, as in Mother, 5A, 1V, uh, <laughs> as in Victor, 2. <laughs> Story. And, of course, just put it to my attention, to Charlie Dobbin at AM seven forty five five zero Queen Street East, Suite 205 M5A 1V2.
2: Exactly, and wonderfully done, too. Well, Margaret in Cambridge, hello, and welcome to the show.
3: Hello. Morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? Good.
6: Um, I, was, uh, I have a magnolia shrub, mm-hmm. and it's in bloom for the second time.
3: Ah. Oh, is that good or bad? <laughs> well, you know it's just it happens sometimes. It's yeah, sort of did it- I be feeding it? No, nope, 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 nope. No. Don't be feeding any any of your plants. Anybody who's listening, anybody yes, who knew that, yeah, but that's why I'm asking. Yeah, I know it's the reason it's flowering is it obviously thinks that winter's already gone by, which was the dry, right? Because when you get down to the tropics, of course, they don't have hot cold; they have wet dry. So we had our our plants are a bit confused. They think that that dry was winter, and now some of them set buds and are now saying, "Oh, it's raining; it's spring; it's time to start growing again." But don't feed them. Don't encourage oh, okay. this behavior. They are confused by the weather, and if you feed them, you will continue the, the uh, confusion for them. So, uh, just they're going to do some funny things. All our plants are doing funny things because of this mild okay. winter, hot spring and summer. So, let just remember let them slowly slow down, which they will, and hopefully, your magnolia will either hold some buds or set some more buds for next spring. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Diane, and uh, Thanks. thank you.
2: Bye. Thank you for listening to AM 740 Zoomer Radio, and uh, we can take one more call here quickly. We have a special guest coming. On we the show, do I believe, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Diane in Oakville, anxious to talk to you this morning. Hi, Diane. Good morning. Mm.
4: I have a question concerning a hydrangea that I have, which is um, the healthiest I've ever seen it. But mm. there's not one blossom on it.
3: Oh, and Anyone? do you have any idea what kind of hydrangea it is? Um, no, it's the big, the big pink flowers. Right, and is it something you planted in the last three or four years or is it quite an old plant?
7: No, it's older, it's probably, it could be ten.
3: Mm. Right, so here's the trick. The ones, the, the hydrangeas, they get the round, particularly the round coloured flowers, pinks and blues, are what we call the macrophylas or big-leaved hydrangeas and they do get round flowers when they bloom. The trick is, though, that the older varieties of hydrangea macrophylla, anything that's older than about seven years old, that's been in your garden for longer than that, will be a variety that blooms on growth. This year's blooms would be blooming on growth that grew last year mm-hmm. through the summer. Now, what happens in our normal winters is that the all the growth typically gets frosted off in the winter on the stems that stick up above the snow and above the ground, on the macrophyllas, the hydrangea macrophyllas. So in the spring, we cut them all down, and they grow up again. And that, and by unfortunately losing all that stem growth from the year before, we also lose the possibility of flowers which is why some breeding work was done to invent or to select some new hydrangea macrophylla varieties. The first one was called Endless Summer. Since then, there's been quite a slew of them through the same um, proven winners group that bloom on not only last year's growth, but this year's growth. So if you have a big, beautiful green shrub that's supposed to have flowers but rarely does— uh, the best thing I can suggest is eliminate it, remove it, send it to the great big composter in the sky, and replace it with some of the newer varieties.
5: Oh, really? This yeah. is the first year that we've
3: experienced this. The, oh, the no flowers at all? Yeah. Have you had lots of flowers in the past? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, always. Okay, so you know what? It could just be that it's it's just the, the vagaries of this season. I mean, remember, two things. One is sometimes plants will do a, every second year, big bloom, Grew one year and not so much the next year. We see this with the fruit trees all the time. Um, it could be just something like that that's going on, that the plant is just going through a bit of a cycle. It also could be just a reflection of the kind of heat and dryness we've had this year. Mm-hmm. So don't give up on it yet if you've had good success with it. I just, I <clears throat> had a plant like that that I had for, gosh, 10, 15 years, and I was thrilled to bits if I'd get three or four flowers on it. And I finally said, enough, you're out of here. Goodbye. <laughs> and uh, removed it and heartless, replaced heartless. it. Heartless, no, she's heartless. Yeah, well, you know, because some of the newer varieties are just so much more dependable and they don't get quite as big as well. They, you know, in a smaller yard, they just don't take over. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so I wouldn't, don't worry about it. Don't, obviously, no fertilizer or anything. Uh, do consider top dressing with, you know, good organic material, either this fall or next spring mm-hmm. and, and see what happens next year. Okay. Okay. Thanks so much. Thanks, Thanks Diane. Thanks so much for your call.
2: Okay, bye. 9.30, right on the button. And a quick note to, uh, well, let's see, we've got um, Mary and uh, Suzanne. <laughs> Just hang on the line, there, folks. Okay, uh, don't go away because we'll get we'll get to you.
3: We will because we have a very special guest joining us right now. His name is Stephen Biggs. He's a journalist. He's this a, isn't
2: the fig pig, is
3: it? It is Stephen Biggs, the <laughs> fig pig. But before before I let him jump in, I just want to tell you he is a journalist. He's a writer. He's a speaker. He's an educator, and he works with food, farming, and gardening. Good morning, Stephen.
8: Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, Stephen.
3: <laughs> I warned Frank that your new book, uh, the one all about figs, is one in which you refer to yourself as a fig pig. Oh,
2: I like that.
3: You know, that's you great. would it's like big pig. So your book is called Grow Figs Where You Think You Can't. Tell that's us right. about this book. Well, you know, the the idea for the book
8: hit me when um, I took a couple of fig plants as a door prize one day to a talk I was giving, mm-hmm. and one of the winners came to me afterwards and said, "I've had multiple offers to buy this fig tree," and I realized that uh, there's a lot of excitement out there about figs.
3: And do you think that's and just part of that? Everybody wants to grow what they eat, or do you think figs are special?
8: I think figs are. People think of them as an exotic fruit. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's part of the attraction, and, and people are surprised to, to think that we can grow them here in Canada.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, I
2: am. I'm really, uh, I really wouldn't have thought of that.
3: You're shocked, mm-hmm. aren't I think, you? Well, I'm
2: thinking of the, the, the Mideast, that sort of thing. You know? Well,
3: Mediterranean. Yeah. yeah. Mediterranean. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So you grow fig. Now, of course, we know they would grow outside in the summer, but the trick is is how do you overwinter them? Because they certainly aren't hardy in our climate.
8: That's right. They're not hardy, but there's one thing about the fig that makes it not that difficult for us and it's that it goes dormant
3: Mm, and so
8: if you compare that to a lemon tree if you have a lemon tree that you've been coddling coddling (laughs) you have to find that thing a sunny window Mm -hmm. every winter Mm -hmm. and sure it's nice but it's a lot of work now a fig on the other hand goes dormant drops all its leaves and what that means is that you can stick it somewhere cold and dark all winter long so if you have an attached garage if you have a cold cupboard a cold corner in your basement
3: root cellar you can
8: put that fig tree there
3: really wow. and how cold can can most figs get to in the winter and well, not die without without
8: causing damage to the plant you can probably get down to about 10 below oh 10 wow. below 0 celsius so 14 fahrenheit wow and um and in a pot maybe you don't want to go quite as cold so say -5 mm. yeah And uh, so, really, we're not that far removed from being able to grow them here, you can see.
3: I know, particularly when you look at the kind of winter we had last year. So mild. So, I mean, I could probably put a fig in my garage. And so, like you said, dormant. Dark is fine. Do do you water them when they're dormant?
8: You do want to make sure they don't get too dry. Now, the trick is not to overwater them, because Mm -hmm. you can kill them with kindness. Of course. Usually what I do in the winter is I check mine about once a month.
3: Mm -hmm. And just feel the soil, and if it's bone dry, or feel the weight of the pot, and give it a little bit of water.
8: Exactly.
3: Cool water, obviously. You you don't want to wake it up. Mm -hmm. Wow. And so so you do grow quite a few figs at your place.
8: I have a couple dozen fig trees.
3: A couple of dozen?
8: And how how big do these guys get? Well, it's really a question of how big you let them get, Frank. (laughs) I grow mine into trees that are about four to six feet high. Wow. Because they go into a shed every winter, I try to keep them about my size so they fit through a doorway. Mm -hmm. Some people prefer to grow them as a bush, and it's really a personal choice.
2: Hmm. Now, is is your book available uh, on the the
8: market there in in, uh, stores, bookstores?
2: I knew
3: you were going to say that, Frank. Go (laughs) ahead, answer that.
8: Thanks for asking, and I have (laughs) the book on my website, which is grow-figs.com. Grow-figs.com.
3: Now, if I okay, just just to let everybody know, when I um talked to Stephen about coming on the show, I thought you know I'll check out. He's got his own website, StephenBiggs.ca. Mm-hmm. So I went there, and of course, then I start getting connected to about fourteen other websites. So, <laughs> so <laughs> Stephen's a really busy guy with with website support. Growfigs.com is one of them. Where like you said, you can buy the book and learn more about the book. Um, also, Stephen makes that book available when he does speaking engagements. He brings that with him to sell. Yes. You're also affiliated with a whole bunch of other websites. One is thelocavoresgarden.com, the-locavores-garden.com. hyphen And that one is all about uh, edible gardening. Am I right?
8: That's right. So it's all about edible gardening. And I, I made that site to encourage people to grow veggies and fruit in their own backyards.
3: And you also teamed up with Donna Balzer and wrote a book called No Guff Vegetable Gardening. That's right. Which is, again, all about helping people to, to, to take some of the mystery or the, the um, what sometimes people find a little bit challenging out of growing edibles. When I teamed
8: up with Donna, we decided that our mission was to make veggie growing fun and practical, but especially fun because we found a lot of people intimidated by it. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so that book and and the website that accompanies it, which is gardencoacheschat.com, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And we found people were so scared. So we had one person that came up to Donna on the street Someone she didn't know said, your book changed my life. (laughs) That's great. And I think it was just that we took the fear out of
3: veggie gardening. And made it fun as well.
2: I I want to get your permission to read just one paragraph from the book. It's uh, about the author, about you. And uh, I just enjoyed this whole story so much. Just flipped to it on the very back page. Anyone who has lived in an older home knows they come with surprises. And the surprise for Biggs and his wife came the first autumn when they realized the cold basement washroom had no heating. Standing, sitting in the dark, a frigidal room one morning, <laughs> Biggs realized that it didn't have to be a washroom over the winter. What on earth are you talking about, groaned Shelley, as he explained that the second washroom could be a storage area for his fig trees over the winter. <laughs> so they went back to life with a single, shared washroom. And he has a cute story. Yeah. Thank
3: you. Your long-suffering wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
8: <laughs> so when I give a talk on figs, sometimes I warn people they can put a bit of stress on a relationship. Be prepared.
3: <laughs> <laughs> or Go build f- yourself a little shed. <laughs> yeah. Go figure. Yeah. <laughs>
8: oh.
3: Oh, oh. Um, so, all right, so tell us, um, what's so in your garden, I know you live in Toronto, and yeah. you're obviously growing all kinds of fun and edible things like figs and and. All kinds of other things, and this has been an interesting year. This uh, growing season, I find I've had a bumper co- crop of uh, of uh, com- cucumbers, but you know, haven't seen a zucchini yet. Wondering um, what's uh, what's going on in your garden. What's kind of w- what's really working for you this year?
8: I'm very excited about my front yard because I took out most of the lawn. Mm-hmm. I made an edible garden out front, mm-hmm. and the um, the plant that I like the most, and it's the same plant that gave me the best show last year is the cardoon.
3: The cardoon, I know. What a crazy plant. I love it. <laughs> and
8: and for, for listeners who don't know the cardoon, this is a cousin to the artichoke. Mm-hmm. But with the artichoke, we eat the flower. With the cardoon, we eat the leaf stalk. Right. I've never heard
3: of that. Cardone Sorry. is a t- Cardone the Italian. Is Italian I think. Yeah. yeah, I know. I, I went to, I was looking up um, Ocean Mist Farms, Cardone. Artichoke's cousin is a tasty delicacy. It's a unique, truly unique vegetable and flavorful. So Cardone is the, yeah, exactly, I think the, the Italian way. But so you're growing Cardoon, and you get seeds from somewhere, and you start this plant?
8: I started from seeds yeah. in, uh, in January or February, yeah. and I put it out in the garden. And the nice thing I found uh, last year was the first year I grew it, and it lasted into the fall. So even when we had those, those first frosts yeah. that are fairly mild... Yeah. It would wilt a little bit at night and it would bounce right back during the day. So I had a good show right into the fall.
3: Like a pansy. And it's a showstopper, too. I mean, this is an unusual plant.
8: I had a message on my voicemail this spring someone I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Mr. Biggs, you don't know me, I'm a neighbor. You had this Promethean plant down your driveway last year. Can you please tell me what it was? And, of course, I didn't know what Promethean Promethean. meant. I had to look it up. But it's such a showstopper, so that's the kind of response you get to
3: it. Yeah, so neat to have in the front garden. That's a wonderful idea.
2: Uh, Stephen, one more reason that folks could go to your website, Grow figscom Included in the book is a, a recipe that sounds absolutely super. Uh, a whole recipe for steamed fig pudding. That mm. sounds mm. great, and it's all yeah. all listed there. How to do that?
3: Yeah, good stuff. Well, that, it's a pretty neat book. I, it's it, it was a quick read. I learned a whole bunch about figs when I was you know when I gave it a my cover to cover search. It's got good diagrams, photographs, and it turns out fig pigs are are something that's kind of <laughs> in your family. You and your dog or uh, do a certain amount of competition, as you can get the figs first.
8: That's right. Well, when <laughs> I asked my daughter to make a picture for the book, she drew a picture of her and I eating figs. So I have to share them. I can't eat them all myself. <laughs> Very
3: good. Good for you. Well, thanks so much, Stephen. And if anybody who wants to get the book, it's grow-figs.com or find Stephen at stephenbigs.ca.com. Or even, as you said, go to GardenCoachesChat, that's all one word, GardenCoachesChat.com, for some fun and good information on uh, and perishing some of the myths around uh, vegetable gardening.
2: Hey, real pleasure talking to you, Steve.
3: Thanks, Frank. Thanks, Charlie. That's Th- great. Thanks, Stephen. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye.
2: There. Wasn't that interesting? Yeah, I know. I, t- I, I had no idea you could do that, grow figs in this country.
3: I've seen figs in greenhouses, but uh, as Stephen said, that they want to go dormant in the winter yeah. anyway, so, you know, you don't need a greenhouse. All there you need go. is a place to storm in the winter.
2: What you don't learn on the old garden show, I huh? I tell you. <laughs> 941, we'd better scoot along here. Uh, I'm going to take a bit of a break uh, and then come back to talk to Suzanne in Hamilton, who has been so very patient waiting for us. And we'll do that right after these words on Zoomer Radio AM 740.
8: Daffodils and daisies, bluebells
6: and Forsythia and foxclubs, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox,
9: hollyhocks, tulips, and sweet williams.
1: you pick picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740.
2: And uh, you're with the sous-chef of the garden, too, Frank Proctor. Nice to welcome Suzanne to the line from Hamilton. Thanks for being patient and holding on there, Suzanne.
5: Oh, that's okay. Good morning. morning. A question um, about, and, and I'm sure you know, I just can't think of the name and I'm not sure what to, to advise this man to do, uh, has a uh, plum tree. Mm-hmm. And it has a terrible, uh, ugly-looking uh, black growth, and I've seen it on many other yeah. trees at different times. And um, I think, <laughs> I, I think since he has so much of it, Mm. that there's probably not much of a chance of saving the plum tree. And it didn't produce as many plums either, but Mm -hmm. I wondered if you could tell me
3: the the name of it. Yeah, the plum trees, and you'll see this on cherry trees and in a few others, they get the black, warty, tumory, cancerous kind of growth um, bursting through the bark. That is a, um, a fungal disease, and it's called black knot.
5: Okay, there so you go. So,
3: K-N-O-T. Yeah. And it is a systemic disease. It, it's inside the tree. It bursts through the bark and oozes all kinds of yucky sap, which then hardens and turns black. So, that's right. that's what you're seeing when you're seeing the right. the tumors on it. It's actually just hardened sap. And it does ultimately kill the plants. Oh, that's too bad. Early okay. in, in the infestation, usually when it first happens, right. number one, realize that this, this particular disease enters through wood. Wounds. So it oh. enters wherever we have typically wounded the plant when we're pruning it or cutting it. Oh, okay. uh, or we're even doing something as horrible as whip or snipping the lawn around the base and breaking oh, the bark. Okay. But any break in, breaks in the bark is where the, the fungus enters the, the plant. Interesting. It travels through the plant and it will start oozing out, typically towards the tips and the outer branches and stems on the plant. Right. It's at that point that you do have a hope to potentially control it And it's all about using very clean, disinfected pruners and pruning away the pieces of the plant as much as 18 inches in from where you see those knots or those okay. those horrible those you know chunks of whatever yeah so uh, and it's dipping the pruners uh, in between every cut because of course again you and you want to do any wow. of this pruning on a nice dry sunny day
2: do you use rubbing alcohol yeah that?
3: that's what we use yeah. to disinfect typically it's either bleach or rubbing alcohol mixed with some water and it's it's just literally right. a dip of the pruners in between so um, yeah that but if you're seeing it all over the plant and it's just really starting to go down the best thing to do is to remove the plant and okay. and remove it and get it right off the property because it continues to infest other plums and cherries in the meantime. Okay. And when
5: I when I do my pruning on my my evergreens, I usually I just use straight um, um what do you call it alcohol rubbing alcohol is that okay?
3: Um, it's okay. uh you, you don't need to use straight though. You can cut it 50 50. You don't need oh. it full. Oh. Because uh, I strength. I usually
5: just take a cloth and and, and wipe oh, white. it. white.
3: Yep. Yeah, that's fine. And that does. They, I mean, you are disinfecting the pruners when you do that. And so okay. And it's always a good practice for sure.
5: Okay, so good okay. idea. Well, thanks for all your help on that.
3: Oh, my pleasure, and good luck with uh, with what to do with that plum tree. Yeah, well,
5: I'll pass it on to him. I don't know if he mm-hmm. has, you know, much, much hope, but uh, mm-hmm. at least we know and we know what to do anyway. And mm-hmm. I would know what to advise somebody the next time.
3: Yeah, good stuff. Well, thanks <laughs> for your call, Suzanne. Thank
2: you. Thank you. I don't envy uh, her Bye-bye. making that that no. call to her neighbor there with yeah. on the door. That 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 da Your plant Sorry. is dead. It's yeah, dying. Not, yeah. not good. No, no. Uh, Mary in Brampton waiting to talk to you. Charlie, good morning, Mary.
3: Morning. Morning.
7: You know, you are my Saturday wake-up call, (laughs) your program.
3: That's great.
7: A question about fertilizing the plants, as you were just talking about. Mm -hmm. What do I do with my outdoor flowering plants like hibiscus and fuchsia? Can I continue to fertilize them?
3: And these are ones that you're going to bring in before frost?
7: The uh, hibiscus, definitely. This will be the second season I'm bringing it in. Mm
3: Mm-hmm. And whereas the fuchsia, you're just going to let that get frosted.
7: They never come back the
3: same. Right. So great question, and absolutely, yes, you may continue to fertilize both those plants Uh right up until uh, about September, because by that time, the days are so much shorter that even though these plants are still blooming, now in the case of the fuchsia, it's just going to, yes, do fertilize your annuals, even your vegetables, your herbs, things like that now. Anything in a pot. Uh, Anything in the pots for sure. And if it's a plant that's coming in, just remember that it does want to slow down despite the fact that it's going to be in full bloom. I I
7: know. I I fertilized the uh, hibiscus. Mm. My God, the blooms that came from Mm. it were just incredible. I know. Couldn't see the plan
3: for the flowers. That's (laughs) great. That's great. And so that's why, yes, uh, they're blooming and booming right now. So Mm. support that with fertilizer, you know, once a month at the most. Uh, But be prepared to to shut that, even shut that right down with those plants. I, in September the second
7: season for my hibiscus and I cut them back and they seemed to come, it took a while but they did come back beautifully
3: nice good for you
7: thank you good Mary
2: just before you leave uh, I'm a nut for actions I'm picking off uh, either Brooklyn or Buffalo
7: I don't know what you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> I'm from New York City of course. oh there oh, you fine. go
2: okay <laughs>
7: <laughs> okay have a good day
2: and Thanks. same to you thank you I just driving me crazy I had to find out <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no kidding <laughs> you are listening to the Garden Show from AM 740 just in case you haven't uh, jotted those numbers down before here they are again 416-360-0740 or anywhere else in the province toll free 1-866-740-4740 and we shall return with more callers in just moments here on AM 740 Zoomer Radio
1: Don't change the radio station just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740.
2: And Frankie Proctor welcoming Ines to the line from Scarborough. Good morning, Ines.
1: Hello.
3: Morning.
4: Yeah, I have a problem with a rose bush. I have a naked rose bush. Mm. It In two days, uh, when we had this hot, hot, humid mm-hmm, weather,
3: mm-hmm.
4: Uh, the leaves got spots on them mm-hmm. and they all dropped. Yeah. Now I have a second bloom, mm-hmm. because there was new growth coming up on top. Mm-hmm. But I just have these naked canes.
3: I
9: know.
4: What what do I what can I do
3: there? Well, okay. The spots that were on the leaves are is actually called black spot. Yeah, yes. And those little black spots all coalesce, come together, leaves turn yellow, drop off. Mm-hmm. Your job right now is good garden hygiene. You must pick up and dispose of all those leaves uh, because they are carrying the fungal spores, which will reinfect the same plant or infect other roses, and you want to try and avoid that. Um, What can you do? Well to avoid that in the future because now don't worry i mean it's, it's a, f- a little I bit of new
4: this bush for about 10 15 years already yeah never had any problems oh
3: really okay so that's okay so two things to consider next spring one is um, remember we had a very mild winter yeah. and that mild winter allowed some fungal spores to survive when they wouldn't normally have done so and that's probably why you had such a bad case of black which spot Yeah,
4: happened in two days
3: yeah, I know. when it happens it happens and all that heat like you said it's uh, perfect conditions for the spread yeah, yeah. Um, now although all this rain of course and high humidity that's what when fungals any fungus totally thrives in a high, highly humid environment which we've had a lot of the last two weeks or so So for next spring, consider dormant spray for the plant when it's dormant still. As well, get yourself a get a hold of um, garden sulfur or any kind of a a fungicide. There's one out there called Serenade, which is supposed to be very good. Uh, These are fungicides that we use when the conditions are ripe for fungal growth, as as we've just seen the last two weeks. that's right. You so will, what do
4: I do now in the fall? Right now, you're
3: just going to leave it alone, other than, like I said, you're going to clean up all the leaves. You're going to dispose of those so that they're not on the ground. Yeah. You're not going to fertilize. You're not going to do any like oh, fancy oh, pruning. Ask, yeah. Just let it be. Just let it be. It might pop what out. Do I cut it down? Nope, not now. Because you cut it down now, you're going to force no, no, out I'll a not lot. not but like when the weather gets cold. In, well, in the fall, I will cut my roses a little bit if they are in a situation where they're going to be in the way or get whipped around in the winter wind. Otherwise, I basically leave my roses alone in the fall, but absolutely in the spring. Yes, you're going to cut it right down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, and then you're going to start with all new fresh growth, and you're going to protect that growth with dormant spray early in the spring and fungicides when the weather gets hot and humid. Yeah, yeah. Okay.
4: And this before somebody phoned about big chunks out of, of bite, bites out of plant leaves.
3: Mm-hmm, the hibiscus I have this
4: with the hostas—they're okay. not around. They're just like if
3: something just took a chunk out of it. Yeah, in the case of the hostas, because again, it's shady there, what we typically have problems with are slugs and snails. Oh, no,
4: that's not slugs or snails. Oh, it's not? No, 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 no. Okay. Something is just taking big chunks out of the
3: leaves. And is it on the edges of the leaves or the center? No, no, the, right from the center. Same thing in the center, yeah. yeah, dropping right through. It could be something to do with the humidity. You know, like I say, it's uh, the no, high.
4: It's, no, it's it's just that you can see something has just taken a chunk out. Yeah. Mm,
2: okay. Enos, we have to move along here. Uh, we're in the second question. There, so <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and We oh, have other we folks waiting by. Okay, Thanks. thank you very you much. You remember last week we had the first four callers were guys. I and do I remember thought, that. What the heck's going on? Uh, we have no fellows calling in. Aha! Except Gary got through in the <laughs> line from Sutton. Good morning, Gary. Good
9: morning. How are you? Good thanks.
3: Morning, Gary. Hi, Robbie.
9: I lost my tongue there. It's
3: okay. It's you <laughs> sure got ain't. yeah you got thrown off because Robbie was here when when Frank was away.
9: <laughs> Anyhow, um, I bought a, a miniature lemon tree. Mm-hmm. I thought. But oh. <laughs> the fruit's all green, and it certainly tastes like a lime. oh, um, am I wrong or is i was on the impression that down south south like nice. central America, south
3: America, or something mm-hmm.
9: they didn't have lemons, they only had limes
3: limes are grown in central america you're absolutely correct lemons are Don't grown
9: they call them limons
3: um yeah well limon uh, well l i m o n is Spanish yeah. for lime uh,
9: what's confusing me is how come I got? Green lemons.
3: <laughs> well, lemons start green and then turn yellow as they ripen. But you're saying that when you take the fruit off, it really tastes and looks like a lime. And they're, are they round like limes or are they more elongated yeah, like lemons? Yeah,
9: to, it, well, sort of half, no, half between lemon lime shape. I don't know what you mean. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Maybe I didn't leave it on long enough.
3: Exactly. That's what I'd be. And of course, you've got lots of sun and you fertilized and you're you know doing all that kind of
9: TLC. Yeah. No, it gets the uh, direct sun in the morning till about. Noon.
3: It could have been mislabeled. Lemon and lime trees look almost identical when they're not mm-hmm. in fruit. Their leaves are so similar. I mean, they're, you know, same family, et cetera. So it could be that it was mislabeled and that, you you know, it said lemon and it's really a lime. But But let it, give it a little longer. You never know. Those green, okay. green fruit could turn yellow. <laughs>
9: okay. What about winter? What do I do with this thing?
3: Yeah, that you bring in to your home prior to any cold weather. So by end of August, early September. And you put it in the hottest, sunniest window you've got. Hopefully you've got a solarium or a southern-facing window, bright and sunny. Okay. Okay, and uh, the other thing would be to remember to mist it in the winter. You know, get your little spritzer. Uh, wow. Our homes get very, very dry, and these plants do not like it very, very dry. They like the hum- they they're loving this humidity that we've got going on right now. So, okay. if, so whatever, keep
9: it well watered and misted in the winter.
3: Yeah, don't keep it soaking wet. Let it dry down between waterings. But do what you oh, can okay. to increase humidity around it, whether it's spritzing or you know having a humidifier or just a tray of pan of um, gravel and water below. Anything you can do to increase humidity will be a good thing.
9: Oh, okay, okay. Right now it's under the eaves are getting all this rain, so. Yeah. It's okay, a, thank you very much. Thanks for your call. Thanks, Gary. And, uh, hey, another guy's
2: on the line here. Vince Would you Bob stop Pagen. getting well, so excited no, about
10: the menfolk calling? Just like calling. To even
2: things out.
9: Yeah. <laughs> good morning,
2: <laughs> morning Vince.
10: morning, Vince. morning, Charlie. A, a simple question. Mm-hmm. My neighbor and I are going crazy about tomato plants. Mm-hmm. They grow, they grow about over six foot tall, mm-hmm. nice and green, and within a week, the leaves start turning yellow, mm. and uh, and they go all the way up to the plant, with fruit on it and everything else.
3: And then the whole plant just collapses right before your very eyes.
10: The, yeah, all the leaves just, except for the point, stays green. And we can't figure out why.
3: The, there's... <clears throat> you've got something called probably what, okay, just a quick question. So are you getting any fruit? Does the fruit stay on it or no? The
10: oh, no, the fruit stays on it.
3: Okay, and stays green on it, but the leaves all turn yellow. Right. Right, so the, there's many blights that tomatoes get. Uh, and it, if you had, I think you've got something called early blight. So what I would do is um, do everything you can to increase air circulation around these plants. The, when the blight happens, it, Uh, It's brought on by high humidity. It's brought on by really wet conditions and (laughs) low air circulation. So get out there with your pruners once the rain stops. Prune off everything that's yellow. And again, do not allow any of that to stay on the ground. Remove it from the property. Um, that, That removing of the yellow leaves will open the plants up somewhat. The fruit should still make it. Turn color and be edible, uh, though you may lose that along the way. It's um it's one of those things that once once the blight happens, you can't do anything about it. There, it it certain um, varieties are more susceptible, and certain summers cause this blight more than others. This has been a good dry hot summer, so it's been good for tomatoes. But um, the, all the humidity we've been having lately is certainly causing some problems. So like I say, it's got a lot to do with good air circulation. So maybe next year, plant your tomatoes a little further apart, and you'll have this problem less.
10: Uh, and, and you know, Tom Charlie, we are suspicious because we are out Bob Cajun. We, we are by the, the uh, lake, mm-hmm. and we are the lower end of the land. Right. And maybe you're right. and Not maybe, you're right. You are right, because circulation is it's not as much, mm-hmm. and too much water, because mm-hmm. we yeah. hardly water it. Like right. My neighbor and I, we don't put any water under
3: Right, but you're in a low low point there, so it's quite a moist spot. Yeah.
10: So consider raising the, the
3: tomatoes, raise up the beds, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. Also remember to mulch your vegetables because the rainwater will not splash spores back up onto the plants from the soil yeah. if mulch is there. It helps keep the spores off, and the plants will be healthier as a result. Okay, Charlie. Okay, thanks for your call, Vince. And take care. You thank, too.
2: Thank you, Vince. You use the magic three words when talking to Charlie. You are right. <laughs> You should have seen her smile. Of course, I am. For <laughs> heaven's sake! Hey, I see the guys—Dave uh, yep. and Aline Gelman—and uh, special guests uh, getting sent to the engines yeah, there. Dave's and, corner garage on the way.
3: That's right. And you're here for a little while yet. Yes,
2: I'll be back just following the eleven o'clock news, sorts to great music and special guests.
3: Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Good. we well, have a wonderful day. Thank you so you much, too, Frank, Carly. for all your great sous Chef support. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Dave Gaskin. Thanks to all our great callers. We couldn't do this show without the great callers. So and I appreciate love hearing
2: all that. Might as well give your email address, too, while we're just saying goodbye. If all right. If yeah,
3: send, send mail to cdobbin, C-D-O-B-B-I-N, at am740.ca. Thanks, great. everybody. See you next week.
0: This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740.